is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise, episode 19 of Series 6. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Damien Barrett, Craig Cutchison with you. And Hutchie, I'm starting today's program this way. I am reciting something I read during the week. Unfortunately, I want you to tell me who it's about and why it's been written. It starts this way. Clad in a black tracksuit and matching face mask, the father of two stared pensively into the distance as he meandered down the footpath, perhaps lost in thoughts about his former life as a married man. Anybody? That would be Jimmy Bartell walking past his uh, ex-home, which the Daily Mail papped. Hello, Damo, and hello, everyone. And don't forget, you're with the sounding board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise. Am I spot on? You got it in one, Hutchie. You got it in one. Man, and so I'm going to just translate this story. Man takes dog for a walk. That's it. And it would have clickbaited like no one's business because the half the problem in this is those people that click on it and give it the attention that it doesn't deserve. And so this is how this goes. Uh, they're, they're probably sitting outside Nadia's house and Jim happened to walk by. It would be my best guess, Damo, would you think? Who was the original source of the pap? Was it was it an unfair picture of Nadia originally, or or Jim, or were they following? Oh, I, I don't know, Hutchie. I what I do on these things, you, I had this little game with myself. You just I, I'm not I'm not going to touch on this. I'm not going to click on this. I'm not going to click on this. And I actually didn't click on this story. But what I did do, and I think you know, we do it this way. We we then screenshot it, or we send the link, or the the actual article itself in terms of the click element to it to Jane. Our wonderful producer here of this program. And that's how I now can see it in its hard copy form on this running sheet today. Just remember this. If you click on it, you paid for it. You helped pay for it. Oh, I didn't give it back. a click. Well, what happens is then once, once the picture happens, the, the, the news desk gets excited. Oh, we've got the shot. You wouldn't believe it. Got the picture of him outside the ex-house. So you need to you need to cobble together 12 paragraphs for us on this. And the writer or there will say, but there's no, he's just walking past the house. I oh, know, but you're going to have to flesh out the copy. The editor wants 12 parts. Well, how do I want 12 parts? Oh, I don't know. Maybe just... You know, pose a question of what he was thinking about. Don't say he was thinking about his former life, but perhaps walking, uh, perhaps contemplating what life used to look like. Really unfair. We've seen that happen in newspapers before, and I didn't like it, Damo. No, I'm not sure anyone did. But This is the quote. Perhaps lost in thoughts about his former life as a married man. That's a reasonably big stretch to, to – have a punt and take a guess at what someone is thinking at a certain point in time, Hachi, as you as you are papping them, as you are papping them unannounced. Yeah, and I wonder whether newspapers have actually created this. Like, there's this weird economy now going on with photographers around the country that, as best I can understand, most newspapers made redundant great photographers to some degree, you know, whether it was 10%, 20%, 50%, 80% of their workforce. They then created this sort of uh, secondary market of photographers who are either A, trying to take the shots that newspapers perhaps reluctantly pay for or uh, happy to say came to them rather than they were the ones that went and generated it. So there's a picture yeah. like that that's making the paper that like, – put it this way, would the newspaper otherwise have sent the photographer out to do that? Probably not. But have they, by the redundancies, created a secondary market where snappers are out trying to catch photos that – Drive clicks they might get paid for as a subby, yes. Yep. And then are subjects themselves now filling the void? I'm, it's certainly not happening here, but 
we're seeing it in sport everywhere. Um, leagues and clubs and teams are now paying for their own. Uh, they're carrying the cost of photographers to try and get a picture in the paper. It's happening everywhere. So it's a really interesting dynamic in photos. The As resources have dropped in newspapers, others are seeking to fill that void to create the same volume of photos and influence coverage. I just don't get it though, Hutch. I mean, and there is a market for it. I don't think it's anywhere near as lucrative as it, as it once was. But we talked about a, a component of this topic last week when we uh, addressed the, the Nathan Buckley photographs, um, he being photographed with his new partner. And they had, they happened to have a walk, a bit like Jimmy Bartel. They, they actually, strangely enough, man and woman going out with each other, went for a walk. And the Herald Sun bought those photos. The, Herald, the freelance photographer is back. And so the tone of picture is going to get a little... Uh, more delicate, I think, because there'll be more of them around in the market. Don't you think? I just think it's a, it's almost a sub-industry that's, that's jumped up again on the back of all the redundancies. And it's, there's some great photographers who are no longer working mm. for newspapers who are now being paid differently. So they've still got a job to do. Anyway, what a day for the optics today. We're recording this on a Monday afternoon. It's 20 past four. Two really big own goals of optics, media optics on a Monday, Damo. I wanted to run this yep. past year. Both state uh, government op- related, I believe, Hutchie. Yeah, both state government related. Now, Governments are moving at speed. It's not easy. It's not. It's a difficult thing. Let's accept that. However, in Queensland, Anastasia Palaszczuk said this, Today I got the Pfizer vaccine in the event I need to travel to Tokyo for the Olympics. Registered a vaccinate here. That was her tweet. Uh, horrible optic in mine. Like, all it did was invite all the anger. Like, what do you mean you might need to go to the Olympics? And what are you saying it for on Twitter? And why haven't you had it done earlier? And why are you now saying it's the Pfizer? Wasn't the AstraZeneca good enough? For, like, mm. it just had knock-on effects everywhere. If you'd been in the room when she went to tweet that or the advisor, you'd say, no, don't do that. Yeah. It's not going to travel well. It's not going to age well. It doesn't present well. There'd already been a media storm about how Anastasia was the only premier in Australia yet to be vaccinated. Two weeks ago, it's, right. you know, when are you going to be vaccinated? I haven't had the flu shot yet. Okay, when are you going to get that? So how, how does that travel any other way? And who said to her... <laughs> Here's a way we can sell this. You know, the Pfizer's quicker. Queensland are bidding for the Olympics. Everyone's excited about the Olympics. Perhaps we say you're getting the Pfizer in order to get over there and do our best, and everyone will be cool with that. That's just a misread. That's one of the – and I think that, that could be a soundie, right? The tone-deaf tweet of the week. Um, that's in the conversation. That's never going to travel well on Twitter, that. You don't roll it out that way. In order of reaction, Hachi, when you alerted me to this particular um, text today or, or tweet, as it was, from Anastasia Palaszczuk, the order of reaction I had was the the reference to the Tokyo Olympics. That, that was my first reaction. And then, like you, you then read it again just to make sure you got your own head around it. And you think, well, there's a reference there to Pfizer. And, and look, I, I don't get caught up in the Pfizer versus AstraZeneca debate. I just think if you're going to get vaccinated, go and get vaccinated with whatever one you can get. It's not To me, it's not a big deal. But there's two in inverted commas, political statements in a two-line tweet there from the Premier yeah, of, a, of a state that has actually done really, really well when it comes to dealing with COVID. I, I think it's, as you say, it's a – what would you describe it? It's a tone deaf. It's, it's, a, um, it's, it's, a, it's an own goal as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's an own goal. And, and I think leaders really need to eat last, right? So they need to dictate you, – you can't be picking and choosing. I'm not saying that Anastasia necessarily did pick and choose the type of vaccine that she wanted, but – it leaves itself open to that interpretation significantly, yeah. and yeah. the you can't um, you can't you got to get on the front foot and and be vaccinated as a premier, in my opinion, regardless of the tone of the vaccine, because you got to be at the front of the 
you've got to be at the front of the public narrative. So anyway, that's that's one. And then the cases yep. the way they were announced in Victoria this morning. Now, again, it's really difficult moving at speed. I'm sure that they've committed to get the number out in the morning and the explanation in the afternoon, and it, it, perhaps historically that worked. It doesn't work now. The swing against this is too strong. But don't assume anything with this government, Hutchie. Do, do not do not just think that they may have planned to bring it out at a certain time. Just If they did, it, it happened, but don't assume they planned it. So I'll just jump in when there you, before you get to your point. When you announce 11 cases in the morning, you are going to send Bedlam through the back end of a lockdown in the eyes of a battle-weary, largely angry community. And that was the initial sentiment widespread when the number 11 was announced. When you drill into the number, the mm. first reaction is what? And the second reaction is, okay, how? And when you drill into the how, which they didn't release until a little bit of public sentiment afterwards, it, there was nine that were already in uh, self-isolation or quarantine, and they were all linked. So in actual fact, there was a way to actually tell that as a not a good news day, but you know, a, a, a step forward. You, know, you could have rolled it out and said, um, we've, we've been able to identify nine cases that are fortunately all in quarantine. As such, there is really only now a link remaining to the Jarvis Bay situation that we're investigating. We're heartened to to know that this was in the same cluster. We feel for those people, obviously, and we're supporting them as best we can. But these are not examples of community transmission, and there's only one case that's really relevant to the moment. it was just missold completely this morning uh, from but, a public. But why, I don't know why you're surprised at this, Archie. This is absolutely in keeping with what they've been doing since this latest lockdown. They they have gone out of their way to create a fear component to this particular wave. And when it seemed to die down again late last week, they doubled down on the fear component. They actually called it a beast, Hutchie, which, you know, that that's a motive language. That That's a language of choice. Um, we're neck and wet neck with the beast. We're going to drive it down, bring it down. Hutchie, to, to me, I, I know you've just had your say on this, but I was not one bit surprised at, at A, the handling, and, and B, the, the timing of the of the uh, the announcement. Yeah, I, I choose to just believe it was a, it was a mistake to – to portray it that way. Like, they've got to um, find... I think people could get their head around. Like, in the middle of the pandemic, everyone wanted it at 9 o'clock in the morning, the number, right? What's today's number? I can't concentrate until we get the number. I think people would accept a a midday or 1 o'clock number or 2 o'clock number these days. There's still natural paranoia and interest in it every day. But just give yourself a couple of hours to tie the facts to the number because people are misinterpreting it. You're causing angst and stress in their lives. It is a very stressful thing for people it's not going mm. away. Oh, I think the narrative needs to shift. I don't see why you have to put such a gap between the number and the circumstance upon the number because it's clearly becoming as important, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Hachi, we, we discussed last week, and, and this was uh, your idea, and we, we settled on a, uh, a terminology of the soundies. You They're going to be yep. our awards. Now, we're yet to work out exactly how these uh, get rolled out. Um, I'm sort of starting to think we, we could have a, uh, a launch event of the soundies on our own platforms and then potentially an update um, semi-regularly on, on certain category winners of the awards. So, just to amuse ourselves as much as anything, Hutchie, we're, we're going to call them the Soundies, and 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 I think we should today start discussing in front of our listeners as to what some of the categories may be. I've got a, I've already got an update on the Soundies, by the way. Before we get into the categories, uh, we, we are doing an event. Uh, it was scheduled to be in Melbourne, which was the good news. We we're able to find a venue. Unfortunately, that venue has been since asked to shut. 
We've had an approach from the West Australian government about taking it into Western Australia. We've had the New South Wales government offering to keep the borders open to get the Soundies and our audience in. We've had anger from Tony Cochran in Queensland, who's an event planner, that we haven't gone through him to organise this. So he's throwing grenades at the Victorian government for them originally agreeing to have us. And we do find ourselves in the middle of a bit of a public spat about the venue of the Soundies. So I'm working through it. I've got it. Uh, New South Wales, by the way, tell us that there's not a venue that will be built in time to house the Soundies. So we've been uh, offered a few venues out of town, but unfortunately nothing in the city of Sydney that's finished being built. Queensland are happy to, happy, happy to have us, but we need to use Tony yep. Cochran to do the music. And we are going to be 14 days in quarantine. And McGowan said he'll send us to the border quickly if we don't yep. uh, let him know soon that we are in or out. So I'm working through those things, Damo. Um, <laughs> and I'll let you know and have an update on where the Soundies will be. But uh, you've got a few. And then the Adelaide government, of course, we're very happy to have the Soundies. But we had to get all of our listeners on buses and drive around in circles and be tested several times. And we weren't also, you weren't allowed to touch any of the questions that were delivered uh, if we were to have the event in Adelaide. So just working through because that. Those, those well. questions may have been uh, written, Hutchie, in a, in a, in a current form of, by sweaty man. Yeah, the ink, is the, the ink is the issue. Whether there's been if – if one question made you perspire and you happened to spill a little bit of it on the said rundown, there's yep. concern as to whether a listener might come and in touch with you, that. So. Before you ate your chips after touching those questions, you needed to, uh, to sanitise. And we're having a crack there at Nicola Spiria, the uh, Chief Health Officer there of South Australia. Hachi, I'm going to start at, I think, with one category being the, the soundbiter. Now, whether it's the annual soundbiter, I reckon we yep. could have a weekly soundbiter or a oh, monthly yep. soundbiter. And I want, I want to kick it off. I'm going to kick it off because um, there's been no greater soundbiter certainly for the last 12 months than, than this man, Scott Morrison. And I'll just give you now one of his latest offerings in his very, very big soundbite world. Resilience, strength, character, determination. That's what beats a virus. Never fear. And then I think he, he left in the after that. He did the George Costanza. Thank you and see you soon. He thought that was well, a winner on the, the way tone of, How does the tone of that voice, how's the actual words he's used and, and how he thinks that we're going to fall for that as a, as a nation, I still don't get it, Hutchie, but he's got to take some beating in, I think, in uh, any awards we do under that soundbiter category for the Saudis. I, I think it's a, it's a skill that they learn politicians to get on the news. They know that grabs run between four and six and seven seconds generally and they try and land... The best grab on television is three seconds because it runs in everyone's story, but it's only three. If you can nail your grab in three seconds, you're a winner. So a lot of politicians try and get to three, but generally four to seven seconds. Josh Frydenberg, is a, Josh Frydenberg he's a, it's a deputy prime minister. He might be the best three-second grab in the country. He's in the conversation. Really? So if we're going to do soundbiter of the soundies. I want to have the short form, you know, the, the three-second, and then the long form. All right. <laughs> But seriously, resilience, strength, character, determination, that's what beats a virus. Never fear. It looked, it looked rehearsed, that grab, and it was well-delivered. Oh. No, it wasn't. How was it well-delivered? He doesn't even sound human. I thought the best, anyway. I thought the best uh, soundbite of the week, which was, I think, a print soundbite rather, rather than an audio, which is contradictory, but... I thought Martin Pakula's retort on Tony Cochran on the finals was as good as I heard. I thought that line was when Cochran said we're going to move the grand final and Martin Pakula said, I don't think Tony should be worrying about finals anytime soon. That shouldn't be his cup of tea or whatever he said. I thought that was uh, the best retort. Was that something he said last year, though? 
No, that was a freshie. I think was it, it? I think it, yeah, it worked. Well, I, I don't think Martin. Well, on that, Martin Pakula being the, the sports minister here in Victoria, I, I don't think he's in the position to talk about any guarantees in the future either, is he? I, really? I, I mean, I thought it, I thought it was we're a, in lockdown now again. I thought it was a great response. Now, tell me, uh, there's, there's been lots of great um, suggestions for the Sounies, and we might start rolling through some of the categories next week as we start to take shape. But I want to get the event side uh, sorted first. And, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> By the way, I've got exemption for us to quarantine separately, uh, and we're going to play in an exhibition uh, podcast on the way through. But we've been able to achieve that if it is in Adelaide. So that's the good news. Hey, uh, the I want to ask you this question, Dave. St Kilda ring in the media. Simon Lethlean admitted today that he had made calls about the commentary surrounding Jack Higgins. The headline, Missy Higgins, which was run, I think. I saw news. Uh, Harold Sandin ran the, the Missy Higgins. I think others did. I think the T. Like it was a. It was a. Um, the it headline was, a was there to be done. Use of of Missy Higgins. Yes. Yeah. Well, headline was there to be done. But Simon rang around and defended his player, and looked like a couple of the platforms today uh, retreated a little bit on that. What do you think about this? Is it is it the is the footy club entitled, or how often does it happen where they would ring and? Question the tone of commentary or the headline. Do you think his comments were fair? Or do you think they were unreasonable? Where do you sit on this as a topic, don't you? I, I think it happens more than even some reporters may know. And, and every single person at a club is entitled to, to make that call. On the specifics of this Missy Higgins one, though, Hutchie, and I, I know it was a deeper conversation that Simon Lefleen had. He had it on your platform, SEN, today, didn't he? Um, not, it wasn't just the Jack Higgins reference to Missy Higgins, but there was also some match commentary um, about Max King, another St Kilda player. Um, look, Hachi, I'm as conscious, well, I feel I am anyway, and, and as aware, I think, as anyone about the potential damage that can be done with the word, both spoken and and in print when it comes to media coverage of, of athletes. And look, if, if I'm not, well, you know, I, I feel I'm pretty close to the mark. I have personally, and I'm talking personally here. I'll then talk on behalf of the organisations I work for if you want me to. But I have no issue whatsoever with the, the use of the Missy Higgins headline around um, Jack Higgins on the weekend. For, for those who aren't familiar with what happened, he kicked one goal six. Had seven shots of goal, kicked one goal six. St Kilda team, that he, which he plays for, lost the game of footy. Obviously, there is a prominent musician in Australia by the name of Missy Higgins. Jack Higgins missed a lot of goals. To me... That was sub-editing headline writing at its absolute best in its oldest and most purest form. Now, you may but hear what I just it, said there, Hutch, was it and ins- you may have a different view. Was it, as the Saints feel, insensitive to the player? I don't see how you could do any form of reporting on that game without referencing the fact that Jack Higgins had seven shots at goal for one goal only, six behinds, in a match that his team ultimately lost very, very narrowly. You, you, you couldn't do justice to your own reporting if you didn't reference his inaccuracy in front of goal, which ultimately cost his club. Is it insensitive to to put the word Missy Higgins around? There was even some people, Hutchie, and this this is what happens every single time something happens. There was a bit of a, a wave going on about the um, the use of this Missy Higgins uh, tone the day after it was done, and there were even some people accusing media outlets of of being misogynistic in in describing Jack Higgins as Missy Higgins. Now that that was a that was a theme and and a, and a stream of of social media commentary yesterday that that people tried to get going. I, I, Again, Hachi, have you got an issue with it? Because I'm, I'm happy to say, this is my opinion and my opinion only, 
on this one, on the isolation of Jack Higgins and the term Missy Higgins, with all the context that I think I've given to our listeners who may not be aware of the the, the inaccuracy of the player in question and the musician by the name of Missy Higgins, I don't have an issue with her. She, and, and you're right, every single media outlet used it after it seemed to first appear on AFL.com.au. I just want to ask you about the AFL.com.au piece of this, if I can. So they were the first platform to run the headline. Do you think, and, and they... In the words of Simon, he put a call to the AFL. The AFL saw fit without getting us involved to change the headline yesterday, and he saw the Herald Sun have seen fit to redo it. Do you think the AFL.com.au platform has a greater responsibility to the athlete and the sensitivity of it than, say, a Herald Sun or an Age does because it carries the AFL brand and it is, in essence, an industry website as much as it is a communications tool for journalists like yourself? Do you think... The AFL yep. needs to be held to a higher degree of account than, say, the others. I, I think it's a fair question, and I, I would say yes to that. And I would actually go as far as saying that it is well aware at every level of operations that that is indeed the case. And I think due um, consideration is given to every single issue that comes across the desk that then ultimately gets published. On the on the specifics of, of the Jack Higgins situation and the AFL.com.au platforms itself, actually, the be- as, as, as we speak now at 4.34, the best I can ascertain as to what happened there, I don't know who Simon Leffling called and the people I've spoken to don't know. Um, obviously, well, not, he did because... Oh, he's not calling He's not calling an editorial person. He's calling an executive. Like, you don't... You wouldn't waste Do you think that's what's on- happening? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't well, waste your call. What, what if, you, I, if, you could get, if you could make a call to an exec, why would you waste your call on an editorial? So what's the influence there? Does the business get to say, hey, you know, where does no, that well, tension sit in the business? Again, I, 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 this is what I believe to be the case at 4.35 on this on this Monday. Um, the headline was changed, but ultimately, Hutchie, and you know this as well as I do, and you do it on your own platforms, some stories that get published may end up having four or five different headlines over the course of that story's life, be it a three-hour story, be it a three-day story. Um, so it was changed by, I believe, the sub-editor who actually had the headline in the first place, just simply as an updated story. Oh, that's, and that as far as I can, that's that's a stretch. Say again. You're saying well, it was just changed as a. I, I can tell you that that's that's what I've been told happened, and and I, I don't I don't see that that is not unusual practice. That's that's a hard one to get your head around. I think I, I'm I'm with you on most things, but. That, I suspect that someone made a call and it was changed, right? And I, I, I want to just say this. I, I understand actually, it. I, I don't. I don't. It's it's not. If if you actually go back and listen to the interview that Simon Lathleen had with with the Herald's uh, with the SEN, he, he's actually referenced that aspect of it. Anyway, I, I, I don't care about this issue, Hutchie, as much as people seem to. I've said on on my. I, I have no issue with the headline. I have no. I will use it myself again if if the need arises. I I don't have an issue with this one. If Jack Higgins comes out and says publicly. I've got a real issue with it. I don't like it. Of course, we back away. We back away. But when it comes to to the context of this one, Hutchie, I, I, I'm sorry, and and I'm, I'm I'd be staggered if you had an issue with it as well. I I think it's a fair and reasonable headline. So I think it's yep. it's a headline that, on the face of it, you're a sub editor on a Sunday afternoon. He's missed a bunch of goals. He's a lead item of the story. There's a famous. Um, Musician with the same name is missed. I think it's. When I first saw it, I thought, "Oh, that's a clever headline." That was my initial view. Now, with that being said, I I totally respect the way Simon Lethaline has done it. That's what I would have done yep. in his shoes. I'd have picked the phone up and said, "Okay, cute headline, guys, but you know, he's feeling a bit down. Do you reckon you could amend this? He might not be aware, but he's taking it a bit to heart." And then I think if I'm on the other end of that call. I say, "Yeah, no, of course, if that's if it's caused any, you know." 
like if he, if he wasn't laughing it off, then I think you're moral bound to change it and do the right thing. I don't think the risk and reward, you run the risk and reward on that. What's the point of leaving it up if in out of spite? If there's any tension around it, you take it down. Mm. So yeah. I, I think Simon handled it well. And then I think yep. those that took the phone call, AFL and Herald Sun, both handled it well and said, yeah, fair, fair play. We'll, we'll take it down. It's it served its need and its purpose. What you don't often see is this being reported on, though. Like, this is behind-the-curtain stuff, Damo. This is sounding board uh, sweet spot. Normally that happens <laughs> all the time, I would think. I've been privy to yeah. those calls. I've made those calls. I've been on the end of those calls. It very rarely gets reported on. It's very rarely public. Uh it's a it's a new maturity for the industry to be having these these chats on a public forum like Simon did today about how it went about. I mm. thought it was admirable all round and the way it was handled. But I just wanted to ask you where yeah, you Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any great gain in St Kilda having a, a public coach. Yeah, and and I, I agree with you with Simon Lethleen acting the, the way he did. If that's what he felt he needed to do, by all means, go for it. Um, the fact that it has become public and, and ultimately Simon's quotes have, have given it a public life, and that that's fine. I mean, he, he's not going to worry about what I'm about to say, but I don't know whether it's the greatest look of a club that that has having a season that has not going to plan to to be to be asking media outlets about headlines, which, as I said before, nah, actually, you, in my eyes, really don't register. Yeah, everyone's got a job to do. His job's to defend his player. He did his job. Tick for Simon. The editors, did, the sub editors, did their job. Nice headline, tick for them. They were asked to change it. Fair enough. Tick for the execs that took the call. I don't have any problem with any sequence of that at all. No problem. What about Gary Lyon's commentary on on Max King itself? Now, I, I listened and, and watched most of this match. I, I did notice Gary was 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 quite critical, but I thought he was more than entitled to say what he said. Now, unless I missed a certain passage of commentary that ultimately caused problems inside the St Kilda tent, but I reckon I heard enough to know the tone of what he was saying. To, to me, it was quite constructive. It was typically insightful in terms of Gary taking us into the situation, which was unfolding in front of our eyes, one of the young guns in the competition having another poor match and looking totally at sea with the, regards to confidence. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're, when you're Gary Lyon or Jonathan Brown and you've been a champion forward of the game, you're entitled to have a view that's what you've been paid by your employer to do. And if it's not consistent with St Kilda's view, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. So I have no issue with their commentary on that. I would think they're particularly sensitive about Max King because, A, he's their biggest young investment. B, they're probably in the back of their mind trying to lure his brother. And so making him comfortable is part of the pitch to get a second one in at some stage. And then C, they're losing the PR battle on this Matthew Lloyd stuff, which has got um, much more momentum than I thought it would. I, I didn't even... It went in one, in one ear and out the other when I first heard about it. I didn't think it was even a topic that would be worthy of media discussion. And then I've misread that a mile. It's got momentum. They're getting. I saw Kane, Kane Corns again yesterday on the Sunday footy show have a lash at uh, the fact they hadn't engaged. And I must admit, I didn't see that. It's becoming a bit of a thing, right? Why, didn't they, why do they knock back the advice and then keep getting the same outcome? I wonder in yeah. hindsight... I wonder in hindsight whether they took they as a club take the meeting with Matthew. Like we're always welcome opinions, and Ruffhead will sit down with him and understand what his view of it is. And I, I just don't, I don't know whether they've um, by shutting it down. I don't know whether they've created the debate around it for longer than it needed to be. It's really really uncharted waters. This one I just didn't see it getting the legs it's got. Did you? 
Well, no, and, and that's a good point you, you raised there, the whole Matthew Lloyd element to it. And then and then post-match, you've got the coach, Brett Ratton, doing something also very unusual, and that is volunteering the fact that the, the player in question, Max King, had carried a pretty significant injury into the game. Now, players do that every single week, multiple times within a team of 22. And for the coach then to throw that out there at the end of the end of the match again Hutchie this is unusual media practice this 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 is an unusual series of events now over over one player who is not having the season that he and his club thought he was prepared to have it, it said to me that they were a little defensive about him as a topic and perhaps need to think about their narrative going forward on on him in particular I think and Hachi, I've made that the retrospective question of the week because it has come through quite a few times on our uh, on our question air part of the uh, program. That one specifically from Tom Cooper on Twitter, who wanted us to speak about uh, Simon Nathalie acting the way he did. Hachi, taking out the trash, there was an element of it the other day when the Everywhere. Supercars series in Australia released some information out of hours, out of uh, normal hours, that, that being uh, in the afternoon outside the time cycle. That the next series, which was planned for the start of 2022 with the Camaro taking on the Falcon, now not happening until at best late next year. Yep. And, and, and not the was, Falcon, I'm talking about, sorry, taking on the Mustang, not until was, late next year. And it was taken out at 5.40 on a Friday night, wasn't it? I think it was about that late on a Friday night before uh, an NRL game was about to start and an AFL game was about to start. It was it was right in the, in the taking out the trash sweet spot and... Uh, unfortunately, what's happened now is there's a whole raft of our listeners who are swooping social between five and six on a Friday, looking <laughs> for the trash. Then we've got we've got some trash and tra- we've got some people with uh, metal detectors going on a Friday afternoon, <laughs> Damo. They're trawling through social to find it, taking out the yeah. trash, and all of a sudden, there we go. There's one, five forty p.m. and they flick it to us and. I always think something's wrong at uh, six o'clock on a Friday night. My Twitter feed's blowing up. I think what's this is unusual for me, and then. All of a sudden, it's taking out the trash. You you love the supercars. Uh, this doesn't bode well. And, and I, don't forget, you've, you've given me enough grief because I had the midlife crisis a couple of years ago and uh, and purchased uh, a Camaro. So I, I was looking forward to the launch of this series. I, I don't, I'm not a big supercar fan, so I, I don't follow it. But I think it's a great media product, particularly for television and for the auto industry, the after auto industry. So, yeah, I, but like it's just these are the times we're in. You've got to find a way. Uh, and great sports always find a way. You look at the A-League deal for a sec. A year ago, if I'd said to you, the A-League are going to find a way to land a free-to-air partner, a startup streamer, they're going to get a check that's in the same neighbourhood of what they did, and they'd get a, a private equity play going at the same time, you'd have called me mad. Now, it's there are a lot, there's a lot... Um, it's been sold well, that deal. It's the devil of the details probably... not not you know, not, It's not the... Uh, it's not nearly the sort of scale. It's not the best the TV deal ever. ever no, it's not, the old, it's not the old Fox deal, that's for sure. But it is a great outcome. Those guys need a lot of lot of like they were trying to raise equity against evaluation of the rights at the same time. Like think about that. You you're in market saying our league's worth this, and that's because we reckon our rights deal is going to be worth this. And then the the private equity market are going, all right. Well, come, where's your rights deal at? You know, hey, so you got to try and land that while you're in the public markets. Having done that stuff on smaller scale than this, I, I admire it endlessly. Well done to the A League; yeah. it's a great outcome. Yeah, so okay. things can change yeah. quick. Uh, Roger Federer withdrawing from the the French Open after after winning through to I believe the fourth round, Hutchie. Um, 
I've got a problem with it because, in effect, in effect, now again, he will have a different view. And, and as we speak, I'm yet to see the full explanation as to why, other than he's got a sore knee, which we've known about for some time, and that he wanted to manage his way through the tournament. Um, this is a major, this is a Grand Slam. This is a major event. There's four of them a year in tennis. And I feel by, by winning his way through to a certain point and then choosing to withdraw from it without without an absolute necessary need to do so other than longevity in the sport and maybe the next tournament coming up, maybe the one that he loves the most, the one on grass. I've got a problem with it for, for, for that event being used as a, as a bit of a warm-up, uh, almost troll run. Yeah, but it happens all the time. Players has been telling no, us like it doesn't happen all the time. It does. This is one of the greatest athletes in any sport in any not era a, not of all his. time, and and he's using one of the one of the major branches of the sport, one of the four majors, as a way to get fit for his pet event. That one, yeah. that being the one on grass at Wimbledon. Yes, it's we haven't seen it at that level before, but we see a lot of players who turn up underprepared or injured to collect the first round losers check in majors around the world. And they've, they've been, um, they've this been... is the greatest exponent of the sport ever seen. Hachi. This is not some hack who's 700 in the world who, who does what you do through qualifying and satellite events. This is, this is someone we've never seen before doing it. It's disrespectful without question to the event. This is an era, however, where with COVID affected and revenue affected that people are finding ways around the, you know, to, to do these type of things, it's not, it's not a good look. It's not fair on the organisers, and they equally they should have they should have been hard on him. Like if you're a, imagine you're a boxer, should. imagine you're a boxer. Think think about you're a boxer and you get four rounds into a fight, and you say, "All oh, right, that was enough. I'm really I'm fighting mm. in three weeks in a big pay per view." It's no different, really. People are still paying for that privilege to see you at the event. There's more of you, and they're paying in different ways via TV eyeballs or otherwise. But it's it's disrespectful to the event. No, I, I think, think it's staggering that, that but it happens all the time. Allowed it's been to a, happen. It's been enabled because they haven't been tough enough on the first rounders who who turn up and retire six one two love in the second with a foot injury that they had going into the event because the minimum check gets paid. It's just uh, global tennis has got itself to blame. They've, they've yeah. enabled it. The Ben Roberts Smith court case has started, Hutchie, and and look, even as we speak today, it's I'm yet to see the the day's wrap of events, but. In saying that, when we get to see the day's wrap of the events, it's fair to say that we could be exposed to some some biased media reporting on how each day's events unfolded. Yeah, I've already seen that. This is a media company versus media company event as much as it is Ben Robert Smith suing an organisation and an individual for defamation and other legal matters. Front cover of the tally today had the parents and their grief on the Ben Robert Smith side, so you can see where this is going to play. They're going to there's going to be a favourable year for the Robert Smith camp and news, and you can it's going to be you know an unfavourable and hard nosed year on the other side. So you can see how this is potentially going to play. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in a, in in the in the stakes that are at play here between the Fairfax organisation and and by extension Channel Nine through through sixty minutes, and and obviously the individual concerned Winks Nick McKenzie. Versus the competitor of those organisations in in News Limited. I mean, it, it, no, it's, the way it is covered. I'd say it's, touchy, a, com- I'd say it's a competitor, Channel Seven, with a you know, a type of um, coalition with News through the reporting of this. I think. Uh, well, well, News I, Limited I, is trying to pull the case apart 
uh, almost almost as part of Ben Robert Smith's defence in some angles, Hutchie. In some it angles, not, not it all angles, mean... because there was one in the Australian um, the other other week that 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 was very damning to to Ben Robert Smith in in terms of an approach he had made to a witness that he had. Uh, referenced in court documents without actually telling that person that he, he wanted them to be a, a witness. Yeah, and the visit to the Governor-General was a... And there's just some great journalism in all this. Like the, the story of his visit to the Governor-General was a great yarn. You mm. know, if he made, that's he made what I'm the, referring to. Yeah, that, that was, that's just good journalism, you know, whichever way you look at it. So it's it's tracking like news are in the seven side of things here, right? That's the way it's tracking because there's of a shit like, in it. they are. I mean, they are. I mean, quoting parents on the eve of a court case, what is that called? I mean, but every that, parent would, I'd like to think, would, would love their son or daughter. So and they're getting, them they're getting defending some, that person on the on the day the court case starts, so what they're getting, in the they're getting things? Some, so what? They're getting, some ac- they're getting access, though. So there's, there's an editorial lens on this. It's like, okay, we're going to get – we're not going to get anything on the other side and we're going to get a look in here, so – Sometimes it's just availability of people to talk to you, right? Like, you know, um, Nick McKenzie's parents aren't speaking to news, that's for sure. You know, like, so, like, sometimes it's just a a matter of you end up on the side you're on because that's the only side that is taking your calls, right? It's not always orchestrated. Maybe I'm naive. I think the House 7 cover it will be interesting because I don't think they can, I think news can afford to take a a side. I'm not sure 7 can, right? They've they've got to live with the consequence. So they're, they're best reserving their judgment. They can't overly defend their guy, I don't think, and they can't equally be too critical of him if he's back at work there in two months. So, yeah, yep. lot to lot to play out. Um, I noticed Winks yep. uh, went went round last night in the Manicato Stakes before Cox Plate Day Two, and he had a had a fifty uh, <laughs> had a had a sixty minutes sort of thirty minute uh, expose on the biggest crime and the theatre of last night sixty minutes. Dave, I know you didn't see it. I texted you during the show. He's tracked down, which he wrote in the in the Saturday papers, the most wanted criminal in Australia. It was, it was a good track down, good vision, well told yarn. It was a good newspaper read. I didn't drop the same day as the TV, so that to me said they were not as committed. It was a big story because they let it in the paper the day before. But then the theatre and the pageantry. He's he's on air. Um, theatre has grown, so he's he's rung the. Um, in fact, let's have a listen to the audio of Nick McKenzie attempting to ring Australia's most wanted criminal. Hello. We called the King's Cross Hotel to see if we could speak with the boss. Can you please tell Hakan Rais that I know his real name is Hakan Aik, that I know he's wanted in Australia, I'd like him to call me to discuss this. All right, wait and see. Unsurprisingly, we didn't hear back. Was that done for A, the expectation that he might come to the phone and give him an interview, or B, to show on television that he has been game enough to ring Australia's most wanted criminal at the hotel he allegedly owns and to create some theatre around it? I would say his TV act, Damo, even in yep. dangerous stories like this, is, is evolving evolving <laughs> he's gone I from being critique people's work on tv hutchie and, and the evolution of winks from just the um maybe the handicapper in the early days of his reporting an elite handicapper by the way to a, to a world-class weight for age galloper the best we've ever seen hutchie it's all part of it isn't it and, and and the tv presentation of himself is is in your eyes as crucial as the content of each story that he breaks uh, exclusively I want, I'm, I'm interested to know whether he thought to ring himself or whether the producer said afterwards hey i'll tell you what would be good why don't we bring the switchboard on camera and see if he, he'll come to the phone and as you heard there in the grab 
you know, make sure you they won't understand what you're saying anyway. Make sure you spell out he's in a fair bit of trouble back in Australia in the way you asked the question at the front desk. But it was <laughs> not only used to laugh about, I know, but it's it was interesting to see he's um, he's certainly developed as a television um, performer as well as a you know the sixty minutes talent over the years have always had big personalities, haven't they? And they've yes, been quite yes. charismatic and yep. he's is he coming along day, Mo Winks? He he is. <laughs> he certainly is, actually. We might go. leave uh, episode 19 of Series 6 there, Hutchie. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.